Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I know death. He's got many faces. I look forward to seeing this one. From the sounds of the dragons to the chaos of battle, over the years the sound editing and mixing teams have played a huge role in HBO series Game of Thrones. This Emmy season, they are again nominated in sound editing and mixing. Joining us today are re-recording mixer Onali Blank, who won four prior Emmys for the series, and sound supervisor Tim Kimmel, who has one prior Emmy win. They'll be talking with us today about their nominated episode, The Long Night, and their reflections of their time working on the series. I'm Carolyn Jardina. Welcome to The Hollywood Reporter's Behind the Screen. Thank you for joining us. Sure. Thanks for having us. Yes. You both have been working on Game of Thrones for many seasons. Overall, would you describe what it's been like to be part of the series? Uh, It's been amazing to be part of such a a cultural phenomenon. You know, sometimes we had to sit back and realize what a big impact the show has had. You know, just watching the publicity on it and watching fans going crazy for it and, you know, knowing that we get to work on such a great show. It's been a fun ride. Especially, you know, going from the beginning when it was obviously a big show, but just watching it grow and being a part of it, it's been a great experience. At the beginning, it was just a whole bunch of nerves. You know, don't fire me. Uh, <laughs> is this is this show good? Are people going to get this? And then as the years went through, everybody became a really tight-knit family. And a lot of trust was there. The creatives and our producers and everybody involved just really allowed us to have a ton of creative freedom to experiment our ideas, which made the show, in my opinion, sound better for storytelling purposes for sound. And it's actually been hard not working on Game of Thrones and having people sit behind me the whole time. Because for so many years, nobody was in the room except for Matt Waters, myself, and Tim Kimmel for six months straight. And actually, today I calculated the amount of days I've sat next to Matt Waters. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it was over 4,000 days. Wow. That's crazy. And so <laughs> it's just that, that being your fellow re-recording mix. Yeah, thing. mixes all the effects and just kind of putting that into perspective on how much time we've spent together creates friendships, creates a really collaborative working environment. I miss it. For the uninitiated, would you explain the role of the re-recording mixer? Re-recording mixer is we take sounds that have already been recorded, production dialogue, ADR, dialogue is being recorded in a studio after the fact, Foley, which is all the footsteps and anything the body moves and makes, winds, backgrounds, ambiences, sound designs, dragons, not real, uh, <laughs> and the music. And we go scene by scene and blend everything together so you can hear all the words but tell the story for sound based off the scene. Battle scene, dialogue scene, what have you. And Tim, similarly, would you explain the role of the sound supervisor? Uh, as sound supervisor, I'm in charge of getting all that material to the re-recording mixers. I oversee the team of dialogue editors, ADR editors, the Foley crew, sound effects editors, sound designer. You know, I'm the one who meets with the producers to discuss what it is they're looking for on the sound side and discuss story. And then I talk to the team, figure out who needs to do what and get it to these mixers as organized and ready for them as possible. Not to mention, Tim puts the team together. He chooses his editors that make all the sounds happen. Mm -hmm. And then we say, well, that sound didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Or that's great. (laughs) Well, you're both nominated for The Long Night, which was the episode that features the epic final battle at Winterfell. Would you describe the general approach to this episode? Mayhem. (laughs) Watch it cry, watch it again, take a nap, watch it again, and try and wrap your head around it. Um, you had many different acts, if you will. Uh, yeah, I was the first one to see it months ahead of everybody else to start trying to figure out how to attack the sound editorial side. And, you know, it was overwhelming at first, but then what you got to do is just kind of chip away at it and figure out how to attack scene by scene. You know, what do we need to accomplish? What made this episode even trickier was even while we were in the middle of working on it, there's still a ton of visual effects that are missing. So there's the dragon fight had to skip and parts of the battle you had to skip because there's not enough visually there to work with to cut the sounds to. There's, you know, a crude animation there or no animation and just a slug on the screen saying, you know, two dragons colliding. <laughs> so, you know, you have to wait. So we had to kind of pick and choose, okay, let's attack this scene and get this scene because we have enough visuals there and work on it. It was a process. Let's talk about some specifics. Why don't we start with the dragons? Um, Tell us about creating the battle scenes where we see the dragons. Paula Fairfield, the sound designer, she's the mother of dragons, as as we call her as well. (laughs) You know, she is the creator of all those sounds. You know, she and I will, you know, discuss ahead of time, story-wise, what's going on, what I'm thinking of and what she's thinking. We bounce some ideas off each other and then she will go and create and she'll do her thing and I leave her alone to do her thing. She's phenomenal at coming up with amazing creature sounds and she'll do it and then when she gets to you know an area in her work where she's ready to share something, she'll, she'll make a quick time and send it to me. Now they've grown each season. What are some of the elements that are in the dragon sounds for this season? That's a good question. That's more unfortunately more of a Paula question. She likes to keep a lot of that you know, somewhat under wraps when she can. 
you know, I know she uses some stuff with her dogs. I know she's discussed. She has an uncle or family member who owns a rehabilitation center for wild animals. And she was able to mic and record some injured buffalo or moose or something like that and some bears. I know she had put a microphone in like a little bear cage of this bear that they were trying to heal. And she just left the microphone in there. So she got all sorts of sounds of the bear, happy, sad, angry, hurt, all that. And was able to take those sounds and maneuver them and turn them into uh, what you hear with the dragons. Right. And then let's talk about bringing them all together, the dragons for the battle. Probably the first part is, I'm going to speak on behalf of Matt Waters, because that's his department, is he told us all to leave the room. Because <laughs> this is going to take him a while, and it's going to be very loud. <laughs> so we said, great, because what made this episode so challenging on the mix side is it's nonstop. And we really tried to create some places to have silence. And then there's places where it's just very loud for a long time. And so Matt and I would say, okay, why don't you leave the room? I'm going to do this for a bit. So it just helps with the longevity of the workday. How he would attack the dragons, I believe, was really trying to tell a story on which dragon is who. Who is the ice dragon versus who is Daenerys's dragon? And it made it a little tricky with the visual effects with the storm. And they're moving so fast. So he did a lot of pit shifting and panning and made it very specific, not too muddy as far as mixing goes. So then the audience could track the movements easier. And then in contrast, why don't we talk about that nail-biting sequence with Arya's escape? Yeah, that was a great zombie moment there. When we first mixed it, we had a lot more sound in there, more of her breathing, more of the zombie movements in general, a little bit more wind. And as we kept going through pass after pass, since she is such a trained assassin, she has learned to make no sound at all. So every pass just kept making her quieter as a being and it made it feel like the audience member was going to sit on their chair a little bit more and it worked Mm -hmm. it took a lot of passes in that scene because sometimes doing things in a quiet environment is harder than just mayhem with music and battle and there's nothing to hide behind when there's that much quiet so you're just really tuning into those specific sounds and also i mean it was a great scene to kind of Mix-wise, you get to rest your ears. So when you have the quieter moments, it helps make the bigger moments feel bigger. Yeah. We took out the music in there and just made it very quiet. Mm-hmm. What was the most challenging scene in the episode for each of you? For me, was the whole sequence of the zombies coming over the wall. That's exactly what I was going to say. It was the start of a scene that went on for a long time. And sometimes with battles like that where people are just getting killed and killed and killed it can start sound sounding the same and how can we make each hit and each moment and each cut sound different and keep the audience excited 
So we worked on that sequence and we remixed that sequence probably at least 24 times with music, without music, with different music, with different sounds, with a rumble, with not a rumble. With it, it was a long process. Yeah, it was a very tricky sequence. I mean, editorially, getting all the materials to them for the mix. Because when we started mixing, not all the visual effects were there. So we had all these sounds for the whites coming to the wall and climbing up the wall. And then all of a sudden, we get a next round of visual effects, and there's... 4,000 more. There's there's 4,000 more <laughs> zombies, and there's 50 new flaming arrows being shot at them. So it's a matter of you know having to quickly get that material to the mixers mm-hmm. so they could then add that into the mix and trying to find the balance of keeping it interesting with the hundreds of new sounds that we're throwing their way. I feel you know Matt was pretty pretty exhausted by the time he got through episode three. Yeah, we all were. Yeah, <laughs> we all definitely were. And then we're like, and now we, we have to mix the rest ep- of the season. Then we had episode five to go to. <laughs> right after that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'd skip three to go to four because of visual effects. So then we went back to three which is the big one, and then we went to five, which is the bells, which is the other big one. So it was, we were tired. Exhausted. Yeah. How much time do you typically have per episode or are they overlapping? They're overlapping all the time. And a lot of times we'll do, let's do episode four today because we got this new ADR line. Let's do episode five tomorrow. Let's do episode three. And obviously episode three took many more days than any episode ever has in the past. And for me, I'm like, let's just keep mixing because every pass just makes it better. Mm -hmm. And let's just keep mixing until they tell us no. Yeah. Episode three was the showrunner's big episode to shine. Production-wise, it was huge. Visual effects-wise, it was huge. So they were definitely in the whatever we need to do to get it done to be as good as possible, they'll do it. So if we said we need three more days to work on these sections, you know, they were good about saying then take those three days, make it sound good. We want this thing to shine. And what is the creative process like with David and Dan? They're awesome. I wish I could work with them on every film. We had them come in a lot more during this season than we have in the past, just because there were so many sections and sequences that we were mixing differently than they had in their temp. So we'd have them come in, and they're like, what are we doing? We're like, well, we're going to play you some stuff. Oh, uh, like what? You know. So it was great having them come in, and they're such story people that it's really nice to hear them talk about why they shot and cut a scene a certain way based off a story because then it helps our process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on, on a typical episode, I talk to them right before we start to work on the episode to discuss what they want. And then we generally don't see them again until we're done with everything and it's a final playback for them. But on an episode like The Long Night, like she was saying, we brought them in multiple times to say, here's the first 35 minutes of it. You know, are we in the right ballpark? Are we, you know, this is such a big episode. Let's not be going down the wrong road. And, you know, it was good because there were some changes they wanted to make, some directions they wanted to take with it. So it, it needed to happen that way. Yeah. You can't just watch that episode once and they're like, I only have four notes. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Too much to take in. <laughs> yeah. Now, Tim, you did some vocalizations in this episode. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah. I've, uh, since season... <laughs> <laughs> four, I guess technically three, he had one little grunt. But since season three or four, I've done all nonverbal vocalizations for the giant. 
As well as deaths. For as well group. as deaths for people. And <laughs> a lot of the whites, the Army of the Whites, there's plenty of me in there and Paula and other various people. It's pretty common for us to lend our vocals to that as needed, especially as visual effects come in and all of a sudden there's a new person getting killed in the background. So it's, you know, the giant just kind of happened because Paul and I were discussing, you know, what do we want this vocal to be? And finally I was like, you know, honestly, I'm a metalhead and I have a metal growl I can do and I'll send it to you. And if you want to take it and tweak it and and she did. So uh, the rest is history. Would you demonstrate for us? Uh. (laughs) Should I back up a little bit? Um, There you go. There's the giant. (laughs) And then we pitch it down. Then we pitch it down a little bit. (laughs) Fantastic. Let's also talk about the climactic scene when Arya jumps in at the end. Well, that was during that beautiful piano cue. And um, we kept it really quiet through that section. And the only time Matt really featured any sort of wind is right before she jumps. And what made that sequence so great is then when he grabs her by the neck, it's so concussive and it makes you jump in your seat and that moment watching that in an audience during the premiere people were screaming so loud that we were like i was laughing i'm like it worked mm-hmm. <laughs> and then just to make all the eye sounds and and everything very explosive for all the white walkers but during the premiere you couldn't hear any of that because the audience was cheering so it was, going it was funny because the audience went to cheer when you saw her coming in and then all of a sudden went completely quiet when she got grabbed because it was like, oh, wait, this isn't going to work. And then when she stabbed him, then the place just erupted. It was it was, it was was fun because we're usually locked in a room with three or four of us watching it. So there's our own reactions to it. But after we've watched it 600 times, times, it's like we know what's going to happen. So we don't react to it anymore. So it was great to be in a a big audience. They'd screened it at uh, Man's Chinese Theater. So it was fun to have the whole crowd react to it. Unfortunately, we couldn't hear our work anymore, but that was fine. (laughs) It was worth it. Shh, we have a cool sound coming up. Quiet, everybody. What's been most memorable for each of you about this particular season? I think just knowing that our watch has ended mm-hmm. and that I just loved working with everybody for months straight. And it was kind of sad to say goodbye to it. It was great to be done with the show because it's taken up so much of our lives. But it was sad at the same time because all these people are my friends now. Yeah, I mean, it was a very tight family on the show and i don't just mean with the three of us on the dub stage but i mean the whole crew on the sound side the picture side i mean everybody involved on the show is top notch at what they do but also nice and great to work with 
it was a fun show to be a part of and we all knew we were working on something big so that you know that that made it even more exciting but it was definitely the tough goodbye i mean we were with dave and dan when they had to make their final decision that they were ever going to make on this show regarding one last sound they had come back is that in the final episode they had one visual effect they updated towards the end of the episode when Jon Snow is coming on, on his horse coming back to Castle Black and it starts with a shot of the wall, ice wall and pans down and they had a few different versions of the shot with how much of that wall was melting and how much you saw it. So when they gave us that final visual effect we had to make a little bit of an adjustment to the water coming off so that was the final decision that they had to make. And you could see that they were realizing at that moment that 13 years of their lives was, you know, that chapter was officially 100% closing right then. Any other memories from the season? Yeah, I mean, we really like to have fun on the show. And, you know, occasionally we would put jokes in the show to play for the producers to, you know, it would kind of help lighten the mood if things were stressful. One that we did this season was, you know, Dan is a uh, metalhead like myself. So when the bells were ringing in uh, King's Landing in episode five, we actually took out the real bells and put in the song Hell's Bells by ACDC. <laughs> which, amazingly enough, worked really well with the action of the show at that point, which he enjoyed it. I think he made the joke of, you know, this is the most expensive music video ever made, where I think (laughs) Greg then said, this is the most expensive ACDC gag ever being done. Can we get back to work? But uh, (laughs) that was about typical of the kind of thing we would do on, you know, we did a lot of fun jokes with them. They They had a good sense of humor, so they enjoyed it. That's great. Every episode, we'd play them at least one joke. Yeah, we had a microphone on the mix stage that we would always use some for things that we did need and some for if something inspired us for some sort of fun gag to put in there. We only made the mistake once where we actually left a gag in for the HBO playback. It was only happened one time. Oh, yeah. Which one was that? (laughs) I remember that happening. But yeah, it was a we all looked at each other about a minute before thinking, oh, my God, we forgot to mute it. (laughs) <laughs> and then that meant that everybody, because we sent our mixes to different places to have different producers listening to them. So that means they all heard it. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it when Jon Snow was going to kill those guys in the background? It looked like people's mouths were moving. So he went, we put in like, do it, do it, do it. No, that was one, that one wasn't left in because that one, that one they liked, but we played for them. They, we ended up having to spit out a little quick time with that. But I, yeah, I can't remember. There was one that was left in for playback. That shouldn't have been left in for playback by accident, but it ended up okay. <laughs> How did you navigate the season when everyone was curious about what was going to happen? Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, I saw all the episodes like last September, way before anybody in my crew was going to get to start working on it. So I had nobody to talk to about it, which was difficult. You know, it happened every season where I would know ahead of time. I'd have to be quiet. And then I would get excited when at least somebody in the crew would start working on it so I could talk to them about it. But still, most friends who were fans would come up and say, oh my God, tell me what's going to happen. No, wait, no, 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 don't tell me, don't ruin it. So, I mean, people want to know, but don't want to know. But we did have to be very careful, you know, even when we're working on it, if we're taking a break and we're hanging out in the kitchen area and we're discussing, oh, hey, when we get back in there, we need to, you know, turn these sword sounds up or do this or do that. We had to be careful not to just be like, oh, and then when Jon Snow gets stabbed, you know, we need to make that louder, you know, (laughs) holding on to Jon Snow's death back in season five into season six was tricky. Funny enough, my daughter walked in. I was working on the episode where he comes back to life and she walks in the room and sees it and she doesn't watch the show. She's too young, but she knew by the look on my face, she shouldn't have seen what she saw. 
And this is like three months before it airs. And I had to have a sit down with her and explain to her, like, this is daddy's job. And you telling a friend could cost daddy his job. Not just this one, but like trust in the future. And so she was very good. She did not tell anybody. And I said, I will let you know when it airs. And literally as it aired, she was in the room and I said, you're okay now. And she walked outside our house in the backyard and yelled, Jon Snow is alive! <laughs> Just so she could finally get it out. <laughs> Both of you are part of a team. So would you like to give a shout out to your members? Yes, Matt Waters, I wish you were here. You're fantastic at what you do. Um, I've got a much bigger crew on my side. Um, <laughs> if I forget anyone, let me know. Paula Fairfield, Brad Katona, Brett Voss. Jeff and Dylan Wilhoyt, John Motter, Paul Berkovich, Tim Hands, Purnell, Salinas, Caleb. Caleb, our recordist, yeah. mixed tech. Can't forget Salib. Salib. Uh, <laughs> Sam Edges was our mixed tech years back. Yeah. Rick Mara, the mayor. He hasn't been on in a while, unfortunately. Yeah, it's been a pretty good sized crew that we've had with us. And Greg Spence. Yes. Can't forget Greg Spence. Our fearless leader. And what was he? He was co producer when it started and producer by the end of it, but he was kind of our immediate contact. We do our first playback with Greg. He was really phenomenal to collaborate with. He would come up with some odd ideas and sometimes they would work and make it really much better and sometimes they weren't, but they would lead us in another direction to try something new and he was a lot of fun to bounce ideas off of. Mm -hmm. He made me a more detailed mixer. He made me much better at my job, <laughs> without a doubt. Thank you, Greg Spence. During <laughs> this season, each week when an episode would air, would you watch Twitter? I would have a party at my house and invite a whole bunch of friends over. I mean, especially this last season, yeah. My husband is a huge fan of the show, so I would get stuck watching it every Sunday, <laughs> which was great. I'm a huge fan, too. And how did you watch the finale, Tim? Uh, for most, the group actually had a party and they had a screening. So it was fun. Actually, we watched it on the dub stage where we mixed it with a bunch of my peers. So it was fun to kind of watch it with the group and get the reactions and see it with other people. It was fun. I watched Twitter for a little while, but with this season getting some mixed reviews, it kind of annoyed me a little bit to watch Twitter. So I had to back off of that a little bit. People can be end. haters. Yeah. The coffee cup. <laughs> that damn coffee cup. <laughs> It's a teacup, actually, technically. But What's next for each of you? I'm going on to Castle Rock Season 2 for Hulu, and then on to uh, Lovecraft Country for HBO. Uh, Matt Waters and I just finished mixing a film called Just Mercy that comes out Christmas Day, starring Michael Lee Jordan and Jamie Foxx. It's fantastic. And then next for me is mixing a film called Birds of Prey. Harley Quinn. And you'll all get to be reunited with the team for the Emmys next month. Yes. Yeah, next month. One less. We'll see if we'll ever get nominated for an Emmy again. <laughs> now you're moving on to Oscars. No. <laughs> it's going to be fun to get dressed up. Yeah. And have a glass of champagne with everybody. It's always fun to get the crew together. I mean, even when we're working together, a good chunk of the crew are working out of their house or another studio, and we don't see them very often. Or so in the, the Emmys. UK. Yeah, or in the UK. So the Emmys are a nice time to get everybody together. I usually have a season-ending barbecue, which I haven't had yet, but I will have. <laughs> um, we all get together and get to relax and, and just hang out. I mean, it's you know, such a great group of people. Yeah. Well, congratulations, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank sure, you thanks. for having us. Thanks for having us. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.